Hey. <laughs> here's another. Um, here's another. Just quick introduction. So, this is uh, Robert Bremner. Um, I think we're going to do, I did like a 1.5 thing, because as I was recording these episodes, uh, Irish Traditional Music Archive came out with their awesome uh, From the Well series about Jack Latin. So I'm just going to play that quick. Um, and so it's sort of, it, I think on the list, it's season four, episode 33, uh, part 1.5, Jack Latin Revisited. Uh, then we'll do uh, season four, episode 34, which is Bremner part two, Robert and James Bremner and the Declaration of Independence. Oh, no, Robin, no. Um, anyway, thanks, everybody. Um, by the time you're hearing this, I'm hopefully in North Dakota. Uh, yay. Uh, again, I'm just kind of copying and pasting this in as it was, so apologies for any audio levels that I have hopefully gotten better now, but are a little bit um, fuzzy back in 2020 when I first released this stuff. So anyway, cheers. Hello, welcome to Witch Dogs Bagpipe and History Podcast, the weekly show where I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers using historic music collections written for bagpipes or not, uh, and played on illin pipes, highland pipes, and whistles. Let's hear some tunes. subscribers, binge listeners in the distant future, uh, and everybody checking in on this kind of abbreviated episode. Uh, going to be quite a few tunes on here. kind of like the freedom of doing these tune, these albums or these uh, episodes that I don't post all over the dang place. Um, so what we're going to do, I'm calling, calling this Robert Bremner 1.5 and Jack Latin Revisited. So I'm going to play three tunes from last week's episode, except on the opposite bagpipe. So... We're going to listen to Grant's Rant, this time around on Ellen Pipes, Miss Blair's Reel, and Carl Came Over the Craft, this time on Highland Pipes. And then I'm also going to play uh, a new tune. This is O'Farrell's setting for Jack Latin with variations. Um, and I'm also going to play, just so they're all in one place, the Sutherland setting for uh, Jack Latin and William Dixon's setting for Jack Latin, both of which I've done on earlier episodes. Uh, I guess 10 weeks ago now, or more, actually. Um, I was going to link to them, but I think it just makes more sense to put them all in one episode. And yeah, and the reason I'm doing that is uh, Irish Traditional Music Archive has been doing these tremendous Drawing from the Well series. And this week, or a couple days ago, their new one came out with a dancer and phenomenal researcher, uh, Edwina Gukian. Not sure about how to pronounce her last name. Um, but I've got a link to it. You should really give it a watch. It's really cool to hear. Uh, if you do go back and listen to episode 20, when I'm talking about Jack Latin for the first time, or maybe it's 21, um, but I'm full of, like, it seems to me like it's a story rather than real and that sort of thing. I wasn't sure the the bona fides of the, the story of Jack Latin as a dancer, um, but 
it checks out. Edwina did some awesome research. It's a beautiful film. Uh, she recreates the dance that Jack Lytton did that cost him his life and kind of talks about the history of the tune. And in watching that is when I figured out that, uh, where I heard that O'Farrell did a setting. So anyway, so that's why we're doing that. But first, let us kick it off with the tunes from last week's episode. So we'll start in roughly the right order. So here is the Grand's Rant uh, on Ellen Pipes. And next we are going to hear the Carl, he came over, the craft, also from Robert Bremner, this time around on Highland Pipes rather than Ellen Pipes. tune from last week's episode on alternate bagpipe this is miss blair's reel on highland pipes
So the first of our Jack Latin settings are going to come from the William Dixon manuscript. Kind of interestingly, looking at the documentary, it is clear that William Dixon's 1733 version is written shortly after the oldest, like within a year, I think, of when the oldest version of this tune pops into existence that we know of in Ireland. So a uh, real rapid transmission, but it makes sense. It's a wicked good tune. Um, but it's sort of frustrating because Dixon... I mean, predictably, these variations are so interesting. I like them so much that it, it would make sense to have that be the last thing. Like, oh, here's the most developed it is. But uh, obviously, that's not how music works, I suppose. Um, but since we're doing these chronologically, let's do William Dixon's setting for Jack Latin. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, I was just looking back at the uh, documentary, and they have Jack or John Lawton, Lawton's, um, like his grave site marked at 1731. So uh, assuming the tune was written a little bit after he died to commemorate the story, although, as they say in the documentary, it's possible that it was composed by himself. Jack Lawton was a pretty well-known and respected fiddler, um, so it could have predated it. Some people say that he played the tune while dancing, um, when he danced between these two kind of fancy estate houses. Um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's do the next version. So this is another one we've already had on the podcast, uh, like I said, a couple months ago. This is Jack Latin from John Sutherland's collection. John Sutherland, remember, is a pastoral piper. It has a pretty awesome collection of tunes that was playing in the 1780s in Aberdeen in Scotland. So here is John Sutherland's setting. And I have to admit, this is... This is definitely my favorite between Sutherland and O'Farrell anyway. The William Dixon one might be my favorite setting of this tune, full stop. But uh, of the Illin Pipe ones, Sutherland, uh, I don't know, pretty clearly resoundedly defeats O'Farrell. Uh, anyway, here's Sutherland. recall, I don't have uh, O'Farrell's first book, the National Music of Ireland and tutorial book that he printed first in the 1790s. don't have a copy of it, so I'm dependent on ABC notation that people have made of those tunes. And so that's where I'm getting my setting for Jack Latin with variations. I have to say, this of, of all the tunes I've looked at that people have done ABC notation of, this is the one I'm most nervous about. Um, the site I generally use, uh, Cape Cape Irish, I think is what it's called. Um, I think it's Black's work. Uh, can't quite remember. I've talked about it on the a show before. But that one, in the ABC notation, it, it says simplified form. 
rather than, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's what it says on the page or just that is what um, the compiler is, is, is saying. Like, oh, this is the simpler version of it. I don't know. Um, Bill Black, that's the name of the person doing these versions. Um, and then, so looking at traditional tune archive, there is a setting pretty close, but uh, there's some pretty significant differences from the Bill Black version. Uh, so I'm playing the one-off traditional tune archive. Uh, they're definitely different from Sutherland and Dixon, um, but just a bit of a disclaimer that this is the first of these O'Farrell tunes that I, I can kind of see that one of the ABC versions is wrong, if not both of them, so I have to take it with a grain of salt. But all the tunes that I play on here, I wind up interpreting and monkeying around with a fair amount anyway, so take all of it with a grain of salt. Uh, so that's going to be it for this week's little mini interlude episode. Uh, next week we'll be back with a whole new uh, set of Robert Bremner tunes, as if you hadn't had enough yet. Uh, but we're going to have some Robert Bremner, some James Bremner, and uh, some old favorites. So Fig for a Kiss is a Robert Bremner tune, but it is definitely not Fig for a Kiss like we know it today. So I'm going to play both Bremner's Fig for a Kiss and Fig for a Kiss next week. Um, anyway, check us out. Uh, check out the show. Feel free. Thanks for subscribing. If you're listening to this, that means you're already listening to it. Uh, not just whenever I post it around Facebook. So anyway, cheers. Thanks, everybody. Let's go out with O'Farrell's Jack Latin with variations. And do be sure to treat yourself to some just stunning views of Ireland in the fall and some stellar fiddling and dancing. Um, yeah, and that video from Itma. So anyway. Cheers.
Hello, welcome to Witcher Talk's Bagpipe and History Podcast, the weekly show where I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers using historic music collections, written for bagpipes or not, uh, and played on illin pipes, highland pipes, and whistles. Let's hear some tunes. seems to always be the case when i uh take a week off uh this we've got quite a few tunes this week so we're going to wrap up robert and james bremner today so calling this episode uh robert and james bremner and the declaration of independence and our tunes are gonna be so from robert bremner we're gonna hear loch ness and feg for a kiss out of the earlier book which apparently was published in 1757 at least that's what John Glenn assumes. Uh, then, from Robert Bremner's 1769 Country Dance Collection, we are going to hear the following tunes The Crosswell of Edinburgh, Waterman's Rant, Open the Door to Three, Invercall's Reel, and Straglas House, or Straglas House, Strathglass House is what other people call it. Uh, then, from James Bremner, Robert's brother, by way of Francis Hopkinson, we're going to listen to Lady Coventry's Minuet. Then from Robert Miller, we're going to hear his setting for bagpipes for Lady Country, Lady Coventry's Minuet, as well as St. Paul's. That's a psalm that we played last week. And then, uh, just for reasons that will become apparent, <laughs> we're going to listen to uh, Wausau the Forty Trois, or uh, Who Would Not Fight for Charlie, or Wa Would Nefet. And then we're also going to listen to Milk the Churn, or which is known today in Irish music circles as Fig for a Kiss, uh, in order to kind of compare it to Bremner's Feg for a Kiss. Ooh, that's a lot of tunes. Um, so what we are... Let's just get right into it. So, um, yeah, I want to wrap up and play a couple more tunes out of that earlier collection, the 1757 Robert Bremner uh scots reels so we'll start with loch ness on highland pipes and this tune's kind of neat it also shows up in james aird's collection as uh loch ness and there's another name for it to sandy's favorite or something along those lines um but anyway here is loch ness on highland pipes
And uh, like I was saying, in that 1757 Bremner collection, he has a tune called Feg for a Kiss, which seems clear like that it's the same title anyway as Fig for a Kiss, with some slight differences. But the tune is, is quite different. And I uh, wanted to play it as a set with what we think of as Fig for a Kiss in Irish music these days. And wound up using a setting for Fig for a Kiss called Milk the Churn, or Gurgle the Milk, or something along those lines. Uh, this version's from an Irish tune dance, or dance tune collection called uh, by Levy. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm relying a lot on uh, just tune archive sources this week. Um, because I couldn't find the the sources. A couple things, I was going to play different settings and then couldn't find the archive collection that they were supposedly come from. So I'm using these ABC tunes, uh, but since generally I'm playing them just for the sake of kind of having a better known tune that people are mostly familiar with, I feel like it's okay. Um, yeah. Oh, and then Loch Ness is also known as Sandy is My Darling, is the, the way it's, what it is known for. Uh, apparently that's what... Uh, Nathaniel Gao calls it? Calls it? Not 100% sure about that, but uh, anyway, let's go on to uh, this set here, which is Robert Bremner's setting for Feg for a Kiss into the tune that we think of as Fig for a Kiss these days.
it just sounded stilted and anxious. Um, yeah, so that wraps up the 1757 Robert Bremner book. And uh, yeah, it's a collection of Scott's reels and stuff, good tunes. He calls them country dances, but in that book, there's no actual list for the dances. Um, but so the next Bremner book we're going to look at does. But first, I want to talk about his brother. It's kind of interesting, both Robert and James Bremner are kind of tied to William McGibbon in a couple different ways. Like I said, Robert Bremner wound up printing McGibbon's tunes, and once McGibbon died, it seems like um, the Bremners sort of inherited his share of money being paid out by the Edinburgh Musical Society. So both James and Robert Bremner uh, were kind of musicians that were known for playing music around Edinburgh and kind of sponsored by the Edinburgh Music Society. And James wound up studying quite far afield. One of the things that Robert Bremner is known for is this first collection of guitar, uh, this first tutorial on guitar from uh, that was published in Scotland. I tried to, sh I found it and tried to share it around with some guitarists to see if they'd play me a tune, but didn't really get back. So if anybody listening to this plays guitar and wants to have a crack at uh, Robert Bremner's guitar tutorial and contribute a tune to the podcast, that'd be awesome. Um, but anyway, so it seems people think that it might have been James Bremner was the one that kind of wrote the guitar tutorial. We know that James Rubner studied in London and eventually really more is known for studying in Italy and winds up being exposed to all kinds of kind of orchestral music and, like I said, sponsored by Edinburgh Music Society, comes back, does some teaching, uh, but ultimately pretty quickly winds up emigrating to Philadelphia and Philadelphia is kind of where he winds up sponsoring some concerts. So he's got a pretty awesome... Uh, pedigree as a musician for uh, studying in Italy with classical guitarists or classical musicians and orchestras and then kind of bringing that type of music and being a part of Edinburgh Music Society when that was really um, pretty jamming. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he wound up running the first set of subscription concerts in Philadelphia. I think the first one anyway. But uh, yes, the f yeah, that's what it says for subscription concerts. I, I wound up reading a bit, uh, well, a chapter anyway, from uh, a collection of essays called uh, Scotland and America in the Age of Enlightenment by Anne McClenny Krauss. And she talks quite a bit about James Brenner. But she has some cool advertisements. So uh, the advertisement for his um, concerts, this is from 12th of January, 1764, the Pennsylvania packet. It says, On Thursday, the ninth instant at the Assembly Room in Lodge Alley will be performed a concert of music to be continued every Thursday till the 24th of May, including no more than 70 subscribers. Yeah, sorry. Uh, following, no more than 70 subscribers will be admitted, and each on paying three pounds for the season to have one lady's ticket to be disposed of every concert night as he thinks proper. Subscriptions to be taken in at Mr. Rivington and Brown's store, and by Mr. Bremner at Mr. Glover Hunt's in Market Street near the coffee house. Concert trips in begin precisely at six o'clock. Uh, it's sort of interesting. This is very. This, these subscription things, like I said, I, one of these days I'm going to do that episode on Bath and bagpiping, but this is how the dances worked in Bath, England, too, is you'd kind of pay a subscription so you could go to all these country dances. This is a concert, of course, not a country dance. Uh, but it seems like uh, James Rumner is a pretty well-established 
like I said, um, musician. When he showed up in Philadelphia, uh, at least by 1763, he's running advertisements for uh, his music school. And we see that uh, Glover Hunt's coffee house again. Uh, so the ad says, uh, at Mr. Glover Hunt's near the coffee house in Market Street, where young ladies may be taught harpsichord or guitar on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 10 in the morning until 12. Likewise, young gentlemen may be taught violin, German flute, or guitar from 6 in the evening till 8 on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That's interesting, huh? So women aren't going to be taught violin or German flute, but they can play harpsichord and guitar. Well, there you have it. That is some interesting gender stuff <laughs> for me to unpack. Uh, huh. Okay. I had heard... I feel like I had heard before that guitars were associated with women playing. The guy I was hoping, I was hoping James Keel would contribute a tune from McGibbon's tune book. Nothing in that guitar tune book is particularly out there. It just looks to me like German flute music, and the version of the the book I could find didn't. I don't know. It looked like it was from all kinds of different sources. So I'm not. I don't necessarily trust the pedigree of it. But uh, hmm. yeah, you guitar historians out there. What's going on with this? Um, anyway, James Renner's an interesting cat. He winds up um, either teaching or just socializing a lot with um, Francis Hopkinson. And Francis Hopkin Hopkinson is sort of known as the country's first composer, um, like the United States. But he was, you know, a statesman and gentleman in Philadelphia and wound up being a sign of the Declaration of Independence. So it seems clear that they... You know, well, it, it is clear that they made quite a lot of music together. Uh, there's even uh, an example where Hopkinson, when James Renner goes over to London again to kind of help Robert Bremner get the business set up and uh, do those things, uh, Hopkinson and Bremner exchange letters, but not nearly as many as Hopkinson once. So he wrote to a friend saying, uh, I had two and a half lines from Bremner. He's a good friend, but a wretched correspondent. Uh, seems pretty apt. But when Hopkinson went over to London, Francis Hopkinson, even when James was back, uh, he wound up being kind of um, hosted by the Bremner family, by Robert Bremner there in London. So the families are pretty well connected. Uh, so I was kind of poking around, trying to find out some more information and find some tunes. And Francis Hopkins, uh, Hop Hopkinson has a collection of tunes, they're just handwritten sheets of music. And quite a lot of them come from or are attributed to James Bremner. And so I was, I was looking through that collection. Uh, like All of these are going to be linked in the show notes. And you can see it. Uh, this one is called Lady Coventry's Minuet. And it says with variations from James Bremner. So here's my take on Hopkinson's take on James Bremner's Lady Coventry's Minuet, which is a bit of a common English country dance uh, and clearly had, well, as I'll talk about in a little bit, also made its way into Scotland too. So anyway, here is Lady Coventry's Minuet with variations from James Bremner. This is Robert Bremner's, I believe, younger brother.
as you could kind of hear in that playing. Anyway, uh, I've got my regulator fixed. My uh, little tiny little tenor regulator. I have kind of I messed with it because it's, it's always been really mousy and too quiet. And so I mess with it to make it work, and it does, and it's a little bit louder, which I really like. And now just the baritone, the one in the middle, is quiet and a little out of tune, and I'm afraid to tweak that one because it's mostly in tune, uh, even if it's quiet, because if I mess that one up, because I messed up my tenor for about two weeks trying to make it louder, and then finally fixed it. <laughs> um, if I mess up the middle one, I kind of can't play any chords easily while playing. But uh, anyway, this regulator thing is still coming to me. Uh, speaking of regulators, I sort of feel like the um, Rosetta Stone of playing Bremner stuff all the time. Because, you know, Bremner, both Robert and James are, are not bagpipers. They are, uh, you know, clearly, we know James at least plays, you know, guitar, violin, uh, Irish flute, and did he say Houtboy as well in that advertisement? How quick I forget, hey? German flute, guitar, violin, harpsichord. Yeah, it doesn't say Houtboy. Anyway, um, Roy plays that. So all these tunes, and then Robert Bremner is mostly a fiddler, kind of reading through all the stuff Robert Bremner says about um, vibrato. He's clearly writing as a fiddler uh, or a violin player. And so there's always part of me that's like, why are you playing all these fiddle tunes. Um, I mean, I was playing these fiddle tunes on a necessity to come up with kind of 18th century Scottish uh, music for bagpipes. But uh, as I was poking around and, and looking on different settings, I stumbled onto the Robert Miller manuscript, who is a Highland piper, sort of. <laughs> he played a lot of a lot of things. Um, seems like he was born in Perth. This is thanks to Keith Sanger again, has a lovely little biographical sheet you can download off of Ross's music page, uh, but he wound up being a military piper, and Robert Miller has all this, uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about him <laughs> in the future in, in a little bit more detail, but he was really, it's an interesting set of tunes to look at. There's this tune collection that seems to be around 1822 or so, um, and the cool thing about it is he played he played Highland pipes. He also played pastoral pipes or Irish pipes, and beyond that, he also like invented bagpipes like there are a couple uh extant chanters and weird contraptions that clearly robert miller was tinkering and trying to push the the envelope of what a highland chanter could do and uh yeah so interesting guy anyway looking through his tune collection from 1822 so this is a person that primarily plays bagpipes various types but bagpipes and it was kind of nice to see several of these robert bremner tunes in there and so it makes me feel uh justified granted you know um miller is wrote those tunes about 50 or 70 years later, but I feel like seeing it on a Highland pipe or a pastoral pipe setting is a good indication that these tunes are around. And of course, a lot of the tunes we've been playing show up in O'Farrell stuff as well. But anyway, um, so yeah, I guess let's just do a, a quick little preview of some tunes we've already heard, um, but Bremner's, or, uh, but Miller's setting. So we'll do... Uh, Miller's setting for Lady Coventry's Minuets, since you've got Lady Coventry's Minuet from James Brenner, no doubt stuck in your head, as it was to me. really like that tune. Uh, but you can hear from Miller's much simpler, just two-part setting 
how much James Brenner added to that tune. good that I'm listening back to this. I always fear, uh, I'm sure everybody does this maybe, where you remember back to something you said and realize that you forgot to finish your point or contradict yourself and you're going to be contradicting yourself. And so I introduced Robert Miller saying, speaking of regulators, and then didn't talk about regulators. Um, the reason I say speaking of regulators is Miller is one of the few people who transcribed like how you're supposed to play the regulators. So on several of his tune settings, he's got regulator notation uh, as well. So uh, I didn't play his settings for any of it because it's all a bit beyond me at this stage yet. Um, but it's very similar to that kind of R.L. O'Mealy stuff where it's just constant beating down quarter notes on the on the beat um still i i don't know i think it's good i i did a recording where i played the the notes like i played the notes as written offhand uh and it just just didn't sound good <laughs> like even doing another take playing the notes as miller indicated um Oof, there's, there's some kind of charm that i'm gonna have to figure out how to how to make that work for me because the people that do it uh, well, it's just really a beautiful thing where you've got that constant bomb, 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 kind of horning along. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not quite there yet figuring it out. Anyway, so another tune. Uh, this is another one. It's some tunes that I particularly felt weird playing on bagpipes, but here we have it in Miller's book. He has quite a few psalms. So I'm going to play uh, the St. Paul's Psalm, which was Aberdeen uh, as we played it last week. Uh, it's the tune that I did, or not last week, but two weeks ago, on, on whistles. But yeah, so here is St. Paul's Psalm from Miller.
Anyway, let's get back to Robert Bremner. Uh, it's sort of funny realizing introducing this psalm, I referred to Aberdeen as like Aberdeen. Um, we got a message and kind of had a lovely correspondence uh, with a listener who maybe is, is sending me or, or hopefully is sending me the missing O'Farrell tune uh, collection on DVD so I can look at that. So appreciate it. But he also pointed out that my pronunciation was off for, I think, Elgin and Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire uh, rather than Shire, but I don't know, some of this uh, Scots accent, English accent stuff. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to pronounce names wrong, uh, but please feel free to send me a note correcting me. Um, for some reason, I feel like it's okay to be wrong with y'all, but if I'm ever speaking in public again, uh, when this whole COVID thing is done, it'd be nice to get things right the second time through. Um, but especially as I keep on doing more and more episodes, or more and more tunes in each episode, I, I, I'm sure that I'm going to wind up encountering tune names and things that I just don't quite have. Uh, turns out Scots and Irish are both some pretty tricky languages to think you know what you're saying. Uh, anyway, here, this next one is probably a good example of that. <laughs> this is from Robert Bremner's 1769 Country Dance Collection. So this is a little bit different. So this 1769 Country Dance book, um, this one actually has the dance steps in it, where, like I said, the 1757 Scots Reels Collection uh, that says it's country dance tunes, that one doesn't actually have the dance steps, uh, which is interesting. That means that this next tune I'm going to play, Strawglass or Strathglass House, is supposedly, this is the first time a stress bay has been uh, written down or published that included dance steps to go with it. And the, the tune apparently, one of the gals published it and explicitly said, don't dance to this. <laughs> don't dance to this uh, to this tune. But uh, it's a, a fun little tune, a stress bay, and I'll play it on Highland Pipes here. So this, the rest of the tunes here that we're playing, uh, for, for the most part, come from... Uh, there, it seems like there are a couple traditions in country dance books where it's a bunch of them or a set of tunes for a year. So this is a 1769 collection. So Robert Brenner titles this, For the year 1769, a collection of Scots reels or country dances with a bass for the violoncello or harpsichord and proper directions for each dances. And this one, it says, this version anyway, that's in the uh, National Library of Scotland was printed in London, which means it's you know, and that makes sense. 1769, we know that's well after he had been established in London. So anyway, let's go to Strathglass House on Highland Pipes.
guess finally explaining why the cover art is a water carrier. Uh, I don't know if people even take notice of the cover art, but one of my favorite you know, artists from Scotland in the 18th century is David Allen. And when I was poking around some of his collections, I noticed a character that showed up several times in his various images of people around Edinburgh. And it was these guys in somewhat like old military uniforms carrying kegs on their back, kegs of water. And I feel like I'm just so curious about the life of watermen <laughs> or water carriers. And one of David Allen's prints, it's called the water carrier. The other one, I think it's called a waterman. Um, so the cover art is of a David Allen painting where there's a water carrier filling up a keg at a well in Edinburgh. But I, I feel like, I don't know if it was from going to a museum and the Royal Mile uh, there in Edinburgh or poking around. A couple years ago when I first started seeing these paintings, I tried to find information out about these water carriers and I couldn't. Uh, but looking at David Allen, it's, and like I said, I think from going to uh, that close or that landing, I don't know, there's a living history, well not living history, there's a museum, like a house museum, just near the Edinburgh Castle. And when I went through there, almost eight years, nine years ago, seven years ago now, a long time ago, I was incredibly jet-lagged, and I don't really remember much, but I seem to remember there being something about there not being water up there. And so I think these water carriers, like, that's what they're doing. They go to wells and carry water up, and you can sell them. You can definitely see them show up on the high street in various of David Allen's um, paintings. Just seems like a heck of a job. So if anybody has any interesting kind of labor history or resources to know more the story of these water carriers, like I'm not sure if they're like old veterans, if that's why they're wearing that uniform, or if it's some sort of livery of the water carriers. But every time David Allen paints them, they have roughly the same kind of red coat with uh, pretty similar facings on them. But interesting characters. And I think in these Brenner in this Bremner collection, there's two tunes that would give me the reason to <laughs> talk about them uh, in a kind of public history setting if I, if I wanted to have an excuse. And so these are two tunes, one called Crosswell of Edinburgh. So, uh, so Crosswell of Edinburgh, and then another tune called The Waterman's Rant. Uh, I tried to look up the Crosswell of Edinburgh. I couldn't find anything about it. Um, found a Crosswell someplace else, but not in Edinburgh. Um, but yeah, I'm sure this is just one of many wells where I imagine watermen would have to fill up kegs if they had access to it. And yeah, to me, they almost sound pretty similar. I prefer Waterman's Rant, so I finish up the set with Waterman's Rant, but it kind of sounds like another take on Crosswell of Edinburgh. But Crosswell of Edinburgh is a pretty beefy tune. Um, Waterman's Rant is just a two-part. But uh, anyway, they're good tunes. And like I said, if anybody has any more information or uh, kind of link to a book or article I can read on these water carriers in 18th century Edinburgh. I would love to see it. Uh, used to be, well, one of my kind of comprehensive exam fields for my master's degree was in labor history and uh, just haven't really, yeah, I'm really keen on 18th century labor history. It's talking about the voyagers and fur trade and laborers and that sort. Um, and I think that's what kind of attracted me to these water carriers is they're 
you know, using as not quite, but sort of tump line backpack harnesses. Seems like the dumbest way to carry a keg. Like if you've got a keg, the whole perk is you can roll those things, but they're just strapping them to their back and walking. Uh, anyway, so here is my water carriers set, both from Robert Bremner's 1769 Country Dances. Crosswell of Edinburgh, it sounds familiar to me. It, I don't know if it did the same to you. The first part of it sounds like the second part of uh, Wa Would Not Fight for Charlie, or, and, or the Forty Trois, or Who Saw the Forty Trois is uh, kind of another tune. And anyway, so I, I was just kind of poking around and see if you know what I'm talking about. So um, yeah, Wa Saw the Forty Trois is sort of the march setting for this tune, and I definitely remember hearing it from... Uh, various people copying the quarries of why wouldn't you not fight for charlie uh and so i was kind of poking around seeing what the history of that tune was and i couldn't really find a version that got back to the 18th century uh even kind of terribly early in the 19th century was a bit of a challenge but um but yeah i really hear crosswell of edinburgh that first part really sounds like uh like almost note for note the second part of of this tune so i'm just going to play it on highland pipes just in case you don't know what I'm talking about somehow. And as I was looking around, uh, I found in Davies Caledonia uh, collection, supposedly it's in there as a stress pay, but I couldn't find it when I looked through Davies Caledonian collection. Um, 
And like I said, it's, it's also supposedly known as a street march uh, called Wausau the Forty Trois. And I feel like I have seen that tune, but I, I couldn't come up with it uh, before the podcast. So anyway, here's me playing Wausau the Forty Trois, or uh, Why Would You Not Fight for Charlie on Highland Pipes. And then I'm going to play a uh, setting for the same tune from Kerr's uh, Merry Melodies Volume 2. Again, I couldn't find an archive version of this, so I'm just going off of um, traditional tune archive. But what I liked about Kerr's kind of 1880s setting is it's a jig, and uh, I kind of adjusted the, the tuning of it. So the first time I play through it, it'll be as I'm adjusting it, and the second time uh, it'll be as, as written, if that makes sense. So anyway, so here's just in case you wanted some resolution after listening to Crosswell, um, Crosswell of Edinburgh, here is that tune you might be thinking of. about wraps it up um once again i'm not going to do a podcast next week uh i am being i mean this is our week off this this week our thanksgiving break and holy buckets have i been productive um sort of (laughs) i've been very productive but i uh working on my dissertation unfortunately i found a bunch of archival records that i should sort of take a look at in orkney uh so any listeners in orkney want to go to a archive for me huh Huh? Uh, this is always a problem with doing Atlantic 
world history uh, or transnational history is inevitably an archive on one side of the ocean is way easier to visit and you wind up knowing a lot about one thing and then not a lot about another thing but uh, anyway it's been pretty great but i think integral to continuing to be productive is to keep this every other week thing up that's not to say there isn't an episode every week uh, it's just the every other week episodes are sort of a little shorter and definitely not as research heavy although these research heavy episodes are got to be coming to an end um gonna run out of tunes to play at this rate anyway uh the next full episode we're gonna look at jackson tunes um kind of an irish piper jackson wrote tons of tunes and uh, i feel like i've been neglecting irish stuff in favor of scottish stuff so we're gonna look at ireland and that's what we're gonna be doing last week's episode so a little mini episode uh, I mean, it wasn't many. I gave it a full number, but I didn't promote it everywhere on social media. Um, but it was kind of neat. It was I, I wound up posting all the Jack Latin tunes that I've played in one spot and recorded another one, as well as all those other Bremner tunes on the opposite bagpipe as they were played. So check those out. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I don't have anything in the can that uh, I didn't put into this episode, so it'll probably be a particularly short episode with just a little bit of a kind of link to something worth watching or checking out. Um, so that's all to say that if you like the show, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And that's that. Uh, feel free to get in touch. Um, yeah, every time I get messages from listeners, it kind of makes my day week, makes this all feel worth it. So um, please chat if you have questions. And uh, yeah, you know, if you don't, if you know somebody that you think might like the show, uh, ask them if they listen and tell them about it so yeah that's that's my plug <laughs> simple plug uh otherwise you know leave a review all that kind of jazz apparently that's helpful and we're still sitting at nine reviews uh it'd be nice to break 10 for we're kind of closing in on 10,000 downloads i had hoped to get to 10,000 downloads this year and we're in the sevens sevens range now we're comfortably getting a thousand downloads every month um but uh yeah now that i'm going to every other week uh with the full one where i'm advertising the heck out of it that probably probably won't make it but anyway still appreciate everybody listening and have a good one we're going to go out with another set of tunes from that 1769 collection so this is a nine eight called open the door to three uh this is kind of neat it's a tune that goes all the way back to Playford, uh, some of those Playford Dance Master books in the 17th century uh, for English country dancing has this tune in it. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to do another tune that is decidedly Scottish uh, called Inver Calls Real, or Inver Called is how other people write it. Uh, so 9 8 into a reel. That's a set, right? I don't know. Anyway, some cracking good tunes. Thanks everybody for listening. Hope you have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>